Welcome to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. My name is Justin Wheeler. I am the preaching pastor for Cornerstone, and today we are in week 20 of our journey through the Heidelberg Catechism. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about question 53. There's only one question that we have this week, and it has to do with the Holy Spirit. Now, personally, I think this is far too little time for us to spend on the Spirit of God, but that's how the Catechism is laid out. Now, why do I think this isn't enough time? Well, <laughs> I mean, you could probably answer that for me. We're talking about the Holy Spirit here. We're talking about the third person of the Trinity here, and we really can't do justice to the subject of pneumatology by answering just one question. Um, but let me, let me phrase that a little bit differently. Um, if, if you had three hours to spend with the people you cared most about on this planet, what would you do? Well, you would probably just want to be with them, right? I mean, you'd probably want to talk to them. You'd want to reminisce about time you spent together. You might even want to, you know, make sure that you said things that you couldn't bear to leave unsaid. You would probably do all of those things and more. But one thing that you would not do is you would not waste that time. You would want that time to count. And you would want to fill all of the, those three hours with all of the things that you would want to do. Well, the reason I ask that question and I phrase it that way is that as we read through the Gospel of John specifically, and we come to the 14th chapter of John, we understand that Jesus only has about 15 hours to live, and he will only spend about three of those hours with the 12, with his disciples. And so what does Jesus talk about in those final hours? Well, he talks about a lot of things. He, he comforts them. He, he wants them to know that God's plan is right on track, even though he's about to die. Uh, he doesn't want them to abandon the gospel and their hope in him. He doesn't want them to seek salvation in any other way. Uh, but he also allows that conversation, those three hours, to be dominated by his instruction about the Holy Spirit of God. He says things like this. This is from John chapter 14. He says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He goes on in chapter 16. He comes back to address the Holy Spirit, and he says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, we looked at this just a couple of weeks ago um, about Jesus' ascension and how that's a benefit and blessing to us. But Jesus goes on, and he says, when he comes, when this Helper comes, he's going to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they don't believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, here's what I'm pointing out. For the disciples, in this last little bit of time that Jesus has with them, he wants to fill that time, not only with comfort and encouragement, but also with instruction about the Holy Spirit. And for us to just you know, address the Spirit of God in one question, well, that just doesn't give us a lot of space. Because according to Christ, the coming of the Holy Spirit is good news. And for many of us, the, the knowledge of the Holy Spirit is, is still pretty unclear. I mean, I think about it this way. The doctrine of the Holy Spirit is kind of the Cinderella story of Christian doctrine. He is the person of the Trinity that we seem to talk about the least. But this week, we're going to focus our attention on Him exclusively 
and I don't have three hours like Jesus did with the disciples, but for the next 15 to 20 minutes or so, I want us to consider what it is that we believe concerning the Holy Spirit. Now, that's the question that Heidelberg asks us this week. Question 53, what do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? And the answer is this. First, that he is co-eternal with the Father and the Son. So that's dealing with the Spirit the person of the Spirit. Secondly, that he has been given to me personally so that by true faith he makes me share in Christ and all his blessings comforts me and remains with me forever. Now, I'm just going to warn you, there is a lot packed into that, and I want to unpack as much of it as I can. So here we go. The first part, that he is co-eternal with the Father and the Son. Now, if you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, you see two different words, a particular word in the Hebrew. Uh, the word for spirit is ruach. Uh, and, and the New Testament, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma. And both of these terms are used in other places, not just to refer to the spirit or spirits, but to refer to the wind or to refer to the, the breath, uh, to refer to life and motion and activity and all these different things. And this has caused some, like the Jews, to think of the Holy Spirit as the impersonal force of God, like the, just the power of God moving in the world. Muslims teach that the Spirit of God is an angel, a messenger, a created being sent by God to do his bidding. But the Bible is quite clear that the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force, nor is he an angel, but rather he is the third person of our triune God. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is a person by drawing our attention to the personal attributes that are ascribed to him. So let me just list out a couple of these. For instance, the Holy Spirit grieves. He grieves, and we read about that in Ephesians 4, verse 30. He intercedes for us, Romans 8, 26 and 27. He speaks, according to Mark 13, 11. He creates, uh, according to Genesis 1, and uh, verse 2. He can be blasphemed, according to Mark 3. Uh, the Holy Spirit possesses wisdom and understanding in 1 Corinthians 2, 10, and 12. He acts according to his own will, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. And he is the one who sets apart men to special tasks of ministry, according to Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 4. Now, I know I just ran through all of that, but go back and look up those, those verses and, and meditate on them and think on them and, and grow in your understanding of the the personal attributes that are given and ascribed to the Holy Spirit. In the passage we read a minute ago from John 14, we also see that Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as a He. Here's what Jesus said, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him for He dwells with you. The Holy Spirit is so much more than an impersonal force. He is a personal being, but he is also more than just a person. He is a divine person. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14, he is called the eternal spirit. And, and let me give you this real quick story. In Acts chapter 5, when Ananias and Sapphira Y'all may remember that they lied to the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, they were caught in a particular lie. They sold some property and, and they gave the, the proceeds to the church, but they didn't give it all to the church. But they said they did and they lied to the, well, according to Scripture, they lied to the Holy Spirit. 
<laughs> they didn't they didn't just lie, you know, to the impersonal force of God. No, they lied to God. They lied to the Holy Spirit of God. See, he shares in the immensity of God, the omnipotence of God, the foreknowledge of God, the omniscience of God, and the sovereignty of God. The Spirit is God, like the Father and the Son. He stands alongside them as an object of worship. He's called the Holy Spirit because by his very nature, he possesses the attribute of divine holiness. The Holy Spirit is God, but he is not the Father and he's not the Son. He is his own divine person equal in glory and majesty to the Father and the Son. Now, that's the first part of the catechism, and I know I've rushed through that because there's so much that we can say about the person of the Holy Spirit. But the second part of the catechism addresses the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, And let me just say this. One of the reasons why we focus more on God the Father and more on Jesus the Son is because of the work of the Holy Spirit. That is what he does. Jesus told us this, when the Holy Spirit comes, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into truth. He will declare all the things that are to come. He will speak whatever I speak, but he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now that's John 16 verse 13. And here's what Jesus is telling us. Whether we realize it or not, the Holy Spirit draws our attention away from himself and he directs our focus to Christ. He magnifies the work and the word of Jesus. Now, this this kind of flies in the face of a lot of our um, just like hyper focus within Christianity in America on experience. Um, the task of the Holy Spirit is not to highlight our subjective spiritual experiences of him, but it's to amplify our love for Jesus. He wants to drive us to bring glory, not to him, but to Christ. But make no mistake, the Holy Spirit has been given to us, to all of those who possess true faith in Jesus. That's what the second half of this answer says. The Spirit lives within us, and he makes his dwelling place in our hearts. Um, Galatians 4, 6 says, Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So the Spirit of God has been sent by the Father into our hearts, at least into the hearts of those who believe. By faith, the Spirit makes us partakers. He helps us to share in the blessings of Christ. Now, when I read that phrase, he he makes us partakers or or sharers in the blessings of Christ, I can't help but think of Ephesians chapter 1, where Paul talks about the fact that God has blessed his people, those who believe in Christ, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then he goes on to outline what those spiritual blessings are. He says things like this. He says, we have been blessed by God in Christ because he chose us before the foundation of the world. He predestined us to adoption according to the purpose of his will. He redeemed us by forgiving our sins on account of Jesus. He lavished us with grace. He revealed to us mysterious things about his will for the world. And he has given us an eternal inheritance. So go back and read Ephesians 1, and you'll just see all this list of the things that God has blessed us with. But then at the end of, well, not the end of it, but toward the end of this section, Paul helps us understand that all of these blessings have been given to those who believe in Christ 
But these blessings come to us, they become ours, and we experience them through the work of the Spirit of God. Here's what he says in Ephesians 1, 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So the Spirit sealed us with his presence. We heard the gospel. We believed in Christ. We received the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee that we will receive all of the blessings that God has prepared for us. That's just amazing. Now, now there's, there's so much more that we can say. Let me list out a few more things that the Holy Spirit does in, in his work in the lives of believers. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit convicts us. And we read about this um, in John 16. A few minutes ago, we read about this. He, he convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, for believers, we understand that the Holy Spirit has worked and continues to work in us, convicting us of sin, convincing, convincing us of our need of Christ, um, and the certainty of the judgment that is to come. Many of us experienced that in, in grand ways when we first became a believer, but now we're still experiencing this work of the Spirit in us. But the Spirit also brings that same conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment to the world. It's like the Holy Spirit puts a spotlight on sin and the ugliness of sin so that all men are without excuse. So the Spirit brings conviction. The Spirit also is, is the catalyst in our conversion. Um, in John 3, um, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he's talking to them. He says, no one can can, unless you're born again, no one can see the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus says, how can a person be born again? And, and Jesus interacts with him on that. And he says this, he says, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And don't marvel at this. He says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. So the Spirit of God is the catalyst. He's the one who does the supernatural work of causing us to be born again. That's the Holy Spirit's work. He removes the blindness of our eyes so that we can see our need of Christ. He breathes life into us. He removes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. And the Holy Spirit does this work in every believer. There is no genuine saving faith in Christ apart from this converting work of the Spirit of God. So the Spirit convicts us, the Spirit converts us, and the Spirit comforts us. Uh, I'm thinking of Romans 8 here, where it says that, that the Spirit bears witness in our hearts that we are the children of God. Um, other passages, he groans with us. He causes us to long for the day when Christ will set all of creation free from the curse of sin. He helps us in our weaknesses. He intercedes and prays for us with groanings too deep for words. And the Bible even tells us that he will sustain us um, in the faith, making us more than conquerors until the day of the Lord appears. Now that's, that's all Romans 8 right there, but it's helping us understand that the Spirit comforts us. Jesus told the disciples that the Spirit was going to teach them. When he comes, Jesus says, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, this is not just for the apostles. It's for us. Um, in 1 Corinthians, we read that no one comprehends the thoughts of God except by the Spirit of God. 
the Spirit of God teaches us the things of God. He helps us to understand. He illumines those things so that we can grasp them with our finite minds. The Holy Spirit also, number five, he sanctifies us. Let me, let me run down through this again. The Holy Spirit convicts us. The Holy Spirit converts us, number two. Number three, the Holy Spirit comforts us. Number four, the Holy Spirit teaches us. And number five, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. I mean, after all, he is called the Holy Spirit. He works in us so that we can bear the fruit of the Spirit and become more like Jesus. Just think about Galatians 5 there. It's the fruit of the Spirit, and those things are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit works these things in us. He sanctifies us. Number six, the Holy Spirit equips us. He is, the Bible says that when Jesus ascended, he poured out his gifts upon men in the person of the Spirit of God. He fills us with courage and not fear, with wisdom and faith and joy. He strengthens us for the ministry that he has called us to, and he empowers us to serve God. And then finally, this is the last one I'll talk about, number seven, the Spirit seals us for the eternal inheritance that we will receive when Christ returns. Um, the language of the, the Holy Spirit sealing us, like those overpriced embossing seals that we buy so that we can make a, a stamp uh, impression on our books. The Holy Spirit has placed his stamp upon us, declaring that we belong to God, that our place is in heaven, in his kingdom, with him completely secure. I mean, here's the deal. The whole of our Christian life is initiated empowered and sustained by the Spirit of God, working with the Word of God to bring us finally into the presence of God. <laughs> Without the Spirit of God, there would be no Bible, 2 Timothy 3. Without the Spirit of God, there would be no gospel witness. Without the Spirit, there would be no accomplishing of the Great Commission. Without the Spirit, there would be no believers because our dead hearts would never come to life on their own. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no church. The whole of our Christian life is dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. Okay, so, so what do we do with all of that information? Well, I think it'd be safe for us to just pray and ask God to give us more of the Spirit's presence and power in our lives. Let's ask the Spirit to shift our sanctification into overdrive. Let's ask the Spirit to pour out His power on our church and on our families. Let's ask the Spirit to convert our loved ones and, and to make our church more loving and more faithful and more compassionate and more like Jesus. Father, would you do that in us? Would you allow your spirit to be poured out upon us in a powerful way so that we would grow to be more like you, so that we would grow in confidence, so that we would grow in our knowledge, so that we would grow in our boldness and our faithfulness, so that we would be more compassionate, more loving, more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you do this in us? We pray in the name of our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today discussing the Heidelberg Catechism. I hope you will join me again next week as we move on and we begin to discuss Lord's Day 21 together.
If you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at CBC Wiley. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstonewiley. And you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all the new content. Thank you so much for listening.